the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. But I think it was when he was on the cross and he fought and he finally said, you know, why have you forsaken me? At that brief moment that he took all of the wickedness of the, the defilement of the world for all time, of all people on himself, every bit of it for everybody. That one moment where God the Father and they were one had to separate because God the Father couldn't look upon that. So God the Son could die all of that. When I think of all of that, now I use the four letter word, L-O-V-E. He did that for me. And because he did that for me, can I not in turn love him? So how's your love life? There'll be some missionaries in the past, there have been, there will be in the future that might go through some similar torturing. Even while we're in this nice air-conditioned room in beautiful South Florida where people are freezing up north, there's going to be people right now being tortured emotionally, physically, I'm sure socially. But why are they willing to do that? Because they love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind. Let me give you another verse under this, and this one is my favorite of the three I just gave to you. If I had to pick a favorite out of three, they're all important, they're all powerful, they're all equal, but I like this one. Here it is, 1 John 4, 19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. I'd like to ask a personal question to you. You do not have to raise your hand. You don't need to um, share it with your family, but I would like you to ponder this question. It's a pretty heavy-duty one. Can you remember the last time that you said to the Lord, I love you, Lord? When was the last time in a prayer you said, I love you, Lord? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. I love you. I love you. Men will probably have a more difficult time with that, and I get that. A lot of times we relegate that. Yeah, I told the Lord I love him in a praise song we sung. I love you, Lord. But have you really just said, woman to God, man to God, I really love you? I, I, I think we could. I think we should. I'd like to encourage you to add that into your love language. I really love you. I wonder sometimes if while we're doing that, that might bring about a mental, an attitude, and a life change. Because we're constantly remembering, we really do love you, Lord. And we mean it. I think it's a great governor in our life. Let me give you number two. There's not a lot of these. Number two. Why do I love the Lord? Because he hears my heartfelt prayers. I love the Lord because he hears my heartfelt prayers. 
Now, this passage I would like you to turn to if it's not out there in your folder. It's Psalm 116, because I want you to have your pens ready, because I'm going to park on a few phrases in here so that you could really see the content. I love the Lord because he hears my heartfelt prayers. Psalm 116, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 6. It's easy to follow whatever translation you have. You can do it digitally or on a hard Bible if you want, whatever. I'm going to start out by showing you verse 1. The very first four words in Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord. You got that? I love the Lord. So the question I have to ask is, who's the I in love the Lord? Well, the application would be you and me. I get that. But before we get to the application, let's get to the interpretation. I love the Lord. Who do you think wrote that? Who do you think wrote that phrase, I love the Lord? I did some research on this verse. I spent a lot of time going through it to make sure I'd have the proper interpretation. And here's what I cannot guarantee. I cannot guarantee that David wrote this. Most of the Psalms that David wrote, you will find that this was a Psalm of David or David was here when he wrote that. But in Psalm 116, it doesn't really say that. Some Bibles might, but I think they're guessing more than they're really having fact. Now that I said that, I'm going to contradict myself. When you look at the verses that do, and scholars do agree, David wrote this, they sound very much in the Hebrew swing of words, just like this does. So if it's very similar to what David did say that was identified, it's highly likely that he did say this. So the I in here is probably David. Let me give you another reason why I really think it's David, although it doesn't say it's David, is that... Um, as David began to get older in life, and I'm going to use the term as he matured in life and as he matured in his relationship with the Lord, you'll, you'll find him more and more in love with God, or at least he's expressing his love for the Lord more and more. Stay with me now. And when he does that, he says it in the context of when he's suffering and he's afflicted and he's going through more and more problems. Are, are you tracking with me right now? Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I love my wife more now than I did when I first met her? Have, have you, raise your hand if you ever heard anybody say that, okay? Maybe you said it, I don't know. Now, I, I'm sure as you're going to your honeymoon, you're all excited about that. Boy, I really love her, you know? But I think you're looking forward to the event, not to the relationship as much. Today, as we get older, we love our wife more and more. Why do we do that? Because we know her more. We've matured more. We've discovered more about her, and we realize how much more appreciative we are of our wife. Let's now take it to David. David, as he grew in his maturity, the more he just really loved him. Now, let me tell you a personal story. When I was in Bible college, I took two courses from a guy by the name of Dr. Mark Cameron. One course was Bible doctrines. It was a full year, so I'd have solid Bible doctrine. The second sophomore year was hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is just a fancy way to say the proper interpretation of the Bible or Bible study methods. All right, Took it from the same guy. I was in my second year, and Dr. Cameron, very old man from Tennessee, all right, Chattanooga area, was led to the Lord by a guy named Billy Sunday. Have you ever heard of Billy Sunday? Some of you have. He's a little boy when he's led to the Lord by Billy Sunday, the great baptist baseball athlete who became one of America's greatest evangelists. All right, back to this. He often would say this, Students, I want you to know I love the Lord, and I can't wait to be with Jesus. In fact, if you would cut my suspenders, I'd go up right now. Isn't that cool? That's what 
older people in the Lord that were back in that generation would say, you cut my suspenders. He didn't say that from class to class. One class, maybe two weeks later, he'd say the same thing. Remember my suspenders. I can't wait to be with Jesus. I love them. Well, I was not quite as outgoing as I am now. I was one of those kids that was really very shy. I felt very inadequate in college because I, I, I just got saved like a year before I went to Bible college, a year and a half. And as I'm, so I finally had enough of that because I did not have that same love affair. I didn't want to go to heaven yet. I had a lot of stuff I wanted to do. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I don't, don't leave that out. But I, I wasn't ready yet to go now. All right? And so I went up to him after class, waited for everybody to leave. And I went to him and I said, Dr. Cameron, dear sir, I think there's something wrong with me. I can't figure it out. Would you help me? Because I, I want to go in the ministry, but you said some things. I don't feel that way. And I've worked very hard to get where you are, but I'm not there. Do you know how you say when you cut your suspenders, you'd go up now? You're so excited about going to heaven and being with Jesus. You love him and all that. I don't feel that way. I don't want to go yet. And he put his arm around me, this big, chunky evangelist scholar from Tennessee. And he said this. He said, Brother Pons, that's how they talk. Brother Pons, if you've been in the battle as long as I have, you'd be wanting to go to heaven right away too. Did you catch that? Isn't that a great truth? So now if you ask me, if you cut my suspenders, I'd go up now, you know, because I've been in the battle. And I know this, the Lord's love for me has never been let down. And I want to encourage you with that, that he really loves you. That's why it says, love the Lord. Now, I don't want to split a hair, but I want to give you a little bit more than other churches might. If you look at the verse there, I don't know what translation you have, but the good ones will have the word Lord there spelled L-O-R-D, all capitalized, all right? Why does it have small l, small o, small r, small d in some verses? Why do other verses have capital L but small o, small r, small d? And then why does this verse have capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D? Why does it do that? Because the translator wanted you to know that when it's written like that in all capitals, it's referring to Jehovah who is the Savior. So it's the concept is you have one that represents him as God, as the omnipotent God. This one, same God, but now identified with a different focus, is on his saviorhood. So he says, and I could say it very practically, I love the Savior. Notice the word the. It doesn't say I love a Savior. I love a Lord. I love the Lord Jehovah Yasha, God who saves. Now he says why. Now this is where we're going with this. Our whole message is on why would I love him? Because he has heard my voice. Put a number one by that. In your Bible, if you want. He has heard my voice. Next, he says, and my supplications. Put a number two by that. Now, because he has inclined his ear to me, put a number three by that. Three reasons in one verse, he's now saying, I love the Lord Jehovah Yasha, God who saves, because he's done three things. He heard my voice and my supplications, and he's inclined his ear to me. So in other words, something is coming out of, we're going to say David by assumption here. What's coming out of David? He is now saying something to God, and he loves the Lord because he's saying something to God. But now let's look at those three terms. He heard my voice, my supplication. In other words, in a sense, he heard I was talking. Second, he heard what I was asking. And number three, because he, here's a phrase you don't hear, 
He cocked his ear in my direction. Have you ever heard that before? Cock your ear in my direction. Well, to me, what that's saying is the Lord is fully aware of who I am, what I have a need for, and he is fully zoned in on me. His radar is stopped on my lips. He wants to hear what I have to say. I love the Lord because he's done all of that. Um, Carol and I are getting older. Mostly me. Carol just stays the same, but I, I, I get older. But as I get older, I'm finding that we don't hear some things so often, do we? Do any of you have, I don't mean selective hearing. Yeah, we all got that. I don't care how your kids have that, you know, but for the most part, we all have this hearing thing, don't we, going on? And, um, but here's what I do know that at times you can, you can hear your mate, they're mumbling something. Speak louder, you know. And then the next thing is, why is that person speaking? Usually it's because the person who is speaking to you wants you to know something or go get something or go do something for them, right? So it's kind of like I, I'm engaging you not just to hear myself think. I'm engaging you because I've got something I want you to hear, know, do, whatever it is. But here's the issue. The person is more apt to hear you when they have chosen to incline their ear to you. Did you catch what I say? And that's where the... Um, Selective hearing is. Yeah, I heard them. I heard what they said, but I'm not cocking my ear in their direction. Who cocks their ear in the direction? Mothers do to their kids. Dads do to their kids. How many of you had kids? Anybody have kids? Okay. You can hear your kid blabbering in the bedroom, but isn't it not true that you know the difference between the cry from the bedroom and the cry from the other side of the car when they slam their finger in the door? Okay, and here's the deal. God always senses that we've slammed our finger in the door. He's always cocking his ear toward us. Isn't it great that you have someone that you could talk to when you have a problem? Isn't it great to know when he says, he heard my voice and my supplication. He just didn't hear noise. He heard what I'm asking. Why? Because he cocked his ear in my direction. Can't you love the Lord because of that? All right, let's let's really be real. How many of you experienced a direct answer from prayer, for prayer that you gave to the Lord that you didn't tell anybody else that you knew that it was supernaturally answered by God? Would you raise your hand? How many of you? Okay. If that's the case, wouldn't that cause you to love the Lord? So now that you know he does that, remember that he does that. Watch this now. And let that be the motivator for what you do in your life. Now, this is key. I'm talking about the love life. How's your love life? All of that. Why am I doing that? So that when you know that he loves you and you love him, that will be the motivator for you to change your life. So you don't do it because of legalism. You don't do it because that's a set of rules that someone places on you. You don't do it to manage sins so that people think you're spiritual. You do it because you're driven by your love for the Lord. So if you take that love for the Lord, right, the rest of it will come. So you love the Lord because he hears your prayers. But I'm not going to end there. Let's go a bit further. It says, therefore, I will stop for a moment. Underline the word therefore. In other words, I know that he, I, I love him. I said that because he does three things for me. Since he does those three things for me, I will do something in return. And here's what it says. Therefore, I will call upon him. So if you know he does this, then I would only say talk to him more. How many of you, how many of you know what the word means when that person, they ghost you? Does anybody know what that means? All right. They ghost you. you know what that means? That means that you texted them or something and they never respond. Kind of like your millennial age kids. Okay. Whatever that might be. They, they ghost you. All right. Jesus 
Jehovah Yasha never ghosts us. We, we, we got that. Therefore, since he never ghosts us, wouldn't you want to talk to them? How many of you said in your mind, I texted them. I texted them again. They never responded. Well, I'm not going to text them anymore. I'm not going to make sure to raise your hand on that. We've all done that. I hope it's not with your mate. But I'm not going to, they're going to talk to me. I'm not going to talk to them. Here's the issue. When you talk to God, he always talks back to you. And so now notice the next phrase. This is key now. He says this. And I, I love it. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. Underline that in your Bible. As long as I live, I'm now going to call upon the Lord. Why? Because he's inclined his ear to me. And what does he do when he does? He now answers my supplications. Well, why does he do all of that? It's because he's listening to my voice. And why does he do that? I love the Lord. I love the Lord. So how's your love life? Do you really, really love the Lord? Let's go a little bit further. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol and uh, uh, laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I implore you. You deliver my soul. Now his spirit is coming up. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he, and he saved me. Now, I don't know how you want to mark your Bible here in this passage. It is so rich. He starts out by saying, I love the Lord. Then I pray. Therefore, I will always call upon him no matter how bad it gets. But it's also okay because when I call upon him, he lifts me out of all of this. And by the end of just six verses in this psalm, he went from being down in this horrible situation to be way up on top. And I think the root of all of this is he loves the Lord. And so I think now if you're still struggling under a lot of stuff and you've been praying, are you just talking to God like he's a genie in the bottle? Or is he the Lord of lords and the King of kings and you love him because he saves you? His whole nature is to save you, to rescue out of this. How true that is. On a practical human level, when you're going through some really scary, deep things, don't you feel like if you just had someone to share it with or talk about it? Now, if you haven't experienced this, um, let me give you how the millions of people, I'm, millions may be too high, but how many times you have read in the last year where a loved one is in a nursing home near death and the family can't get to them? How many people have you heard about that are in the hospital that the loved one can't be there until basically when they're right at the end? And how many of them never finally got there and the person died? How many have heard stories of, of all of that? Now, as horrible as it was for those that were healthy that couldn't get to the people, can you just for a moment feel what it's like to be all alone, no one there that genuinely cares for you? You might say, oh, the nurses do. Yeah, but sometimes they do it because they're paid. And then how good can they really do that for you when they're so busy trying to take care of everybody? It's not a minimal, minimalization of their love for you. It's their inability to keep up with everything. So you're really all alone. And so that happens. Let me share a real story with you. About two months ago, one of our retired board members from Make It Clear Ministries, godly man, very prominent attorney in San Antonio, legacy family in the um, cattle barren industry in the center, central part of Texas. Um, he was His heart was failing. That's why he was retired off the board. And um, he, he was coming to a point that he knew his end might be near. 
So we've always talked about spiritual matters with him and all that, but as he got closer to death, he knew things were happening. So we began to talk about his will being ready, his family being ready. And so the last week of his life, we began to talk specifically about, are you ready? How ready are you? His comments were very common with a humble man. And that is, I have regrets. I have regrets with my life. I should have done more for the Lord. I have regrets with my kids. I should have done more here and all of that. That's a humble man. It wasn't a man saying, I'm going to try to be good at the last minute so I can get into heaven. He already knew he was going to heaven. It was regrets with his life. So we talked him through scripture and forgiveness and understanding and perspective. But I appreciated his humility. All of our staff have that. I, I, they just, they're just humble people and God's raising them up. So now we've talked about all of that. And two days later, he called me on the phone. It was very early in the morning because he had Texas and Florida time. And he said, Stan, the doctor just came in and he told me I have days to live. And that's all I have. My, my own family doesn't know this. And then he poured his heart out, not out of fear, but out of he just needed someone to talk to. Within a couple of days after that, he called me again and he says, Stan, my time is so near. So they're releasing me from the hospital and I would prefer to die in my home. And I said, I can certainly understand that. So now he gets into this house and uh, he calls me and he says, I love you, Stan. I love the ministry that you've been a part of. And you're still going to do my memorial service? I said, yes. His family then got around him. His daughter climbed into bed with him appropriately to hug her dad. Two hours after that conversation, he was in heaven. One month ago to today. January 14th. And I got thinking, probably his two greatest comfort was that he had a family to talk to and he had maybe a friend to talk to. That's on a human level. Let me remind you that sometimes no family can be there, no friend can be there. They'll never feel all your pain, but Jesus Christ will. Will you love him? Will you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind? All right, let's go to the third one. This one is a little harder to extrapolate from Scripture, but I think it's still within the ballpark. Number three is, I love the Lord because He is my strength. He is my strength. Let's look at this verse, if you don't mind. This is found in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 6. We're going to pick this verse apart, but not quite as in detail as I did the last passage. So we're going to look at Psalms 103, verses 1 through 6. Here's what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within him, within me. Bless his holy name. I think they ought to put a song to that. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. All right. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and for... And forget not all his benefits. Now that is so weird. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, this is what's happening here. The writer, which again I believe is David, is doing self-talk. I know that sounds kind of weird, so stay with me for a moment. He's talking to himself. Bless the Lord, you stupid soul of mine. And forget not all of his benefits, you soul. So he's telling himself, bless the Lord. He's telling himself, don't forget all the things that the Lord has done for you. Have you ever done self-talk? I think we all have one time or another. He says, who forgives all your iniquities? Who is he speaking to? Himself, or you could say his own soul, his own nature. Who heals all your diseases? 
And he does. He heals every disease that you have when you die. And sometimes before, but always when you die. Okay. He says, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, things to eat, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. So through this self-talk, he's saying, you go bless the Lord. Don't forget what he's done for you. Look at all the stuff he's doing for you now. And look at who he is. Loving kindness, tender mercies. And he crowns you with, with himself. He puts his crown on you of all these great things. I'll tell you, wouldn't that strengthen you? Wouldn't that strengthen you? If you were given the um, diagnosis of that you have cancer and then someone came in later and said, oh, we read the wrong report, you don't have cancer. Can you imagine how good you'd feel? Well, in this situation, no matter what happens, you can still have strength to endure it, to go through it. I can't be strong all the time. I can't be totally self-sufficient all the time. I know I'm a man of weaknesses, but I also know that I'm a man with a great God that's inside of me so I could lift up my head and look to the Lord and say, Lord, no matter what I go through, I'm coming home. I'm coming home to you. I know that you really love me. So no matter how weak you are, when you are in your last day laying on your bed and you only have the ceiling in front of you, I want you to know that you can still tell your soul, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within you. Bless the Lord. And I'm never going to forget the benefits you've given to me. So don't curse God now. And don't curse God at the end. Why? Because he will give you the strength to go through it all. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.